0: And may I welcome you once again to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Podcast. We have a great show lined up for you tonight, so do stay tuned. For those of you who don't know me, my name is W. J. Sheehan and I have authored a series of books entitled Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, Sightings and Encounters, all of which are available at Amazon in ebook and paper book paperback format. And I have a wonderful announcement this evening. Finally, for you Audible fans out there, audiobooks, Volume 7, the long-awaited Volume 7 is now available in audio format at Audible and soon iTunes and Amazon as well. There's a little delay between Audible's approval and when the other two ramp up, so Keep your eyes going, look for it, and buy a million of them. And now, without <laughs> any further ado, may I introduce you to my brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you, Bill? Great. You know, it was a battle, a battle to get Volume 7 finished and listed through this COVID-19. Oh, COVID I know, nonsense.
1: through COVID-19. yeah,
0: yeah, I started recording this thing last spring, got shut down when the studio kind of freaked out about the COVID. Then there was a little window over the late part of the summer when the numbers went down over here in New York a little bit. And uh, my studio guy, Bill, uh, said, you know, I'm feeling okay. Let's, Let's get going again. We just about got it done, like three pages short of finishing, and he decided to shut down again. Yeah, we talked
1: about that, Bill. We were, I was speculating that his wife ran into you at the door and said, don't let that guy back in here. <laughs> <laughs> you came in with your Bigfoot, Bigfoot costume on.
0: <laughs> so anyways, I convinced Bill. I says, Bill, I got about a half an hour's reading left. Can't we just knock this out and, and get it going? And, and you got the vaccine, which is good. Well, later. That was later. Oh, okay. Yeah, I hadn't had the vaccine yet when we finished the oh, book. Okay. All right. And anyways, then there was struggles at Audible with their crew being down on COVID protocols and everybody working from home. ah, oh, yeah. Finally, finally it is out there. And folks, let me tell you something. Volume seven is great. You need to go out there and give a listen to it on audible. It's really uh it I did a good job in that i got to pat myself on the back once in a while. Kevin
1: <laughs> hey, we all do
0: you know, so we all uh, got to
1: pat ourselves on the back once in a while
0: absolutely,
1: especially so what, in uh in the year or multi year of covid nineteen we need yeah. a little pick me up crush Covid. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) They got that new vaccine going this week, approved to Johnson & Johnson. Single dose, doesn't require uh, to be uh,
0: packed in an iceberg when it's shipped. So that's all good. (laughs) It's all good, man. We're going to get on the other side of this, you know, and... uh... I'm open. I'm ready. I'm ready. I got
1: my sleeve rolled up right now, Bill. Come on, <laughs> give it to me. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna have a. I'm gonna have a little festival when it's all blown over. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, some type of little uh, festival of sorts. I don't know what, but when it happens, it's gonna yeah. be good. I'm, I'm in. So, speaking of festivals, what do you have for us tonight in the? Uh, Cryptids in the News and Other Oddities segment. Yeah, we're going to do a little bit of uh, UFOs.
1: Oh, we love UFOs. I know, from the past. Maybe a Bigfoot flying a UFO with an open cockpit wearing <laughs> goggles. <laughs> Maybe not. They didn't get a look at who was flying this one, So, but it could have been a Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. A couple of Bigfoot. Exactly. Well, we're going to go over to the U.K., Right after Christmas, even one day after what they call Boxing Day uh-huh. in the year of 1980, in the Rendlesham Forest, also known as the
0: Bentwaters Sighting. Oh, yeah, that was a stupendous, stupendous sighting!
1: Oh, it's fantastic, fantastic, yeah. yeah. And we're probably gonna have to do this on multiple episodes but we're gonna we're gonna touch on it we haven't touched on it yet and we're gonna touch on it tonight
0: yeah it's a very involved uh process over a period of days yeah i mean there was one major <clears throat> sorry one major sighting
1: that happened uh or at least based on what i've seen about three a.m on uh december twenty sixth uh-huh so, uh, actually, December 27th. Sorry, I misspoke. Okay. At around 3 a.m. in the morning on December 27th. And what we're going to go to, first first of all, this area, okay, there's three RAF Air Force bases right around this area that at that time, as I understand it, were all uh, had, a, had U.S. Air Force presence there, if not U.S. Air Force kind of full use. Of these uh, air bases. Okay. And um, I'm going to start out with a uh, memo that came out from the deputy base commander. His name is Charles Holt. He was a lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Air Force. And this memo came out because of the Freedom of Information Act. Okay. And I think it's super cool because it kind of says, you know, one, it's a real memo from a lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Air Force that was the deputy base commander. And uh, it only came out because of the Freedom of Information Act. Now, there is a plethora of information out there on this sighting. But this is kind of cool because it's this one page memo. Okay. so on the top of the memo, it says Department of the Air Force headquarters, you know, and the whole group and stuff like that. Right. And the subject. Oh, and the date is. January 13th, 1981. So I said this was December 27th, 1980. So mm-hmm. just, you know, two week, less than two weeks later, two weeks later,
0: mm-hmm. this
1: uh, memo came out. And the subject is unexplained lights. Okay. <laughs> so this lieutenant colonel writes it to the Royal Air Force, the RAF, and he has three numbers, three numbered paragraphs here. First paragraph, number one. Early in the morning of the 27th of December, 1980, approximately 0300, so 3 o'clock in the morning, Mm -hmm. two U.S. Air Force security police patrolmen saw unusual lights outside the back gate at RAF Woodbridge. Thinking an aircraft might have crashed or been forced down, they called for permission to go outside the gate to investigate. The on-duty flight chief responded and allowed three patrolmen to proceed on foot. The individuals reported seeing a strange glowing object in the forest. Hmm. The object was described as being metallic in appearance and triangular in shape. Approximately two to three meters across... Uh, across the base and approximately two meters high. Hmm. It illuminated the entire forest with white light. The object itself had a pulsing red light on top and a bank of blue lights underneath. Hmm. The object was hovering or on legs. As the patrolman approached the, the object, it maneuvered through the trees and disappeared. At this time, the animals on the nearby farm went into a frenzy. The object was briefly sighted approximately an hour later near the back gate. Hmm. So that's what happened that night. According to the memo, I mean, this is on official Department of the Air Force stationery by Charles I. Halt, Lieutenant Colonel, U.S. Air Force.
0: Yeah, and this ship is like a, a strange shape triangle or yeah these are pyramidal. air force guards
1: yeah that saw this okay Absolutely. so it's not like a bunch of kids you know drinking a case of beer outside the gate or something not mm-hmm. that we can't not that we should dismiss it if they were drinking a case of beer but you know what i mean it's they're they're air force guards
0: yeah now was anything seen by the animals when they started acting
1: up they don't know. The animals were just acting up. So that's number one. Okay? okay. So that's the first of the three paragraphs. Right. The second paragraph reads The next day, three depressions, one and a half inches deep and seven inches in diameter, were found where the object had been sighted on the ground. The following night, the 29th of December 1980, the area was checked for radiation. Beta-gamma readings of 0.1 Miller-Rentgens were recorded with peak readings in the three depressions and near the center of the triangle formed by the depressions. Hmm. A nearby tree had moderate readings on the side of the tree toward the depressions. So pretty cool, right? So three depressions there, round depressions in the shape of a triangle, which supports what they saw, and you know, a little bit of radiation present again in this in this memo from the Department of the Air Force by the deputy base commander. Wow, so and now the last paragraph, paragraph number three: mm-hmm. later in the night, a red sun-like sorry, a red sun-like light was seen through the trees. It moved about and pulsed. At one point, it appeared to throw off glowing particles and then broke into five separate white objects and then disappeared. Immediately thereafter, three star-like objects were noticed in the sky, two objects to the north and one to the south, all of which were about 10 degrees off the horizon. Wow. Yeah, the objects moved rapidly in sharp angular movements and displayed red, green, and blue lights. These objects to the north appeared to be elliptical through an 8 to 12 power lens. They then turned to full circles. The objects to the north remained in the sky for an hour or more. The object to the south was visible for two or three hours and beamed down a stream of light from time to time. Mm-hmm. Numerous individuals, including the undersigned, witnessed the activities in paragraphs two and three. Signed, Charles I. Halt, Lieutenant Colonel, U.S. Air Force Deputy Base Commander. Mm-hmm. How cool is that?
0: It's super cool. And uh, Colonel Holt. Uh, has been very outspoken about this uh, since the date it happened. No doubt about it. And uh, there were those, Kev, not that it's unbelievable, right, when we're talking about strange happenings. There's always got to be a pair of numbskulls out there trying to give you some dumb explanation and hoping you're going to buy it. There were people saying that there's a local lighthouse. Yes. Uh, near the base somewhere, and the they Orr said. The Fordness Lighthouse. Right. They were saying that they was catching the beam from the lighthouse, is what was responsible for everything you just described. So, Bill, I've
1: seen that lighthouse. Uh huh. So, <laughs> I've sailed out of Ipswich Harbor, which is over there near these bases. I didn't know it was near these bases, right? You know, right, me, right. just out there sailing. Somebody tells me they want to go sailing at Ipswich and I'm over there for business. I'm like, I'm all in, you know, Yeah, yep. cue, cue the Bond music here. Bum, so bum, I've bum, seen bum, bum, bum. this red and white striped lighthouse over there. And, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of lighthouses and I've never thought when I saw a lighthouse like, oh, you know, that looks like a UFO. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean,
0: come on, people. Stop yeah. it. Stop yeah, it. Yeah. A triangular UFO. Emitting, Possibly on landing uh, emitting gear. Emitting
1: energy, right?
0: Right. Lighting up the whole forest. Mm-hmm. No. Blue lights underneath, red yes. light on top. Yes. Red Seven feet, light on Seven top. feet by three feet. That's a light from a lighthouse. Hmm. Very interesting. Not likely, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it was said, uh, uh, I've heard Colonel Holt interviewed a number of times, and, you know, he doesn't come out and say it, I guess, because it's somewhat secret, and it's his business not to tell you. But uh, it seems that at the time, that may have been a nuclear silo area oh, that the, okay. the U.S. was in charge of over there to protect Europe.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, no doubt about it, right? I yeah. Mean- for them to have control of these three RAF Air Force bases, there's something serious going on there, you know. Yeah. And if some, nothing else, some bombers there, for example, that were ready to scramble.
0: Yeah, certainly a US interest there to have US command involved in the area. It wasn't just troops. You know, there was there was something going on there, you know. No, but it's really interesting, of course, that this
1: colonel, deputy commander of, a, you know, an Air Force base, maybe a secret Air Force base, right? I mean, here it is in the U.K., mm-hmm. um, and he writes this article to the RAF to tell him about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's an you know, event, right, Kev? If you're being honest, if you're being honest and above board and performing according to your duties and your sworn oath you report on everything noteworthy that's going on. You know, if it was an accident and a truck crashed through one of the fences onto the property and careened into a building, you'd have to write a report on that. Right. And this, the three guards going out, asking permission to go through the gate to the outside the perimeter... Check out what they're seeing. They were authorized to do so. And blah, blah, blah. This is what fell out.
1: Yeah. Now, one of the kind of the, uh, entertaining stories that shows up on Wikipedia online, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, they talk about the fact that it's a possible hoax. So they say that in December 2018, but, but I will say, this is my words, not theirs, an interesting hoax, like if this yeah. is the case. Yeah. So it says in December 2018, David Clark, a British UFO researcher, reported a claim that the incident was set up by the SAS, right? So the uh, Secret Service kind of of uh, the UK, as right. a revenge plot on the US Air Force. According to the story, in August 1980, the SAS parachuted into RAF Woodbridge. To test the security at the nuclear site. The US Air Force had recently upgraded their radar and detected the black parachutes of the SAS men as they descended to the base. The SAS troops were interrogated and beaten up, with the ultimate insult. That they were called unidentified aliens. <laughs> to oh, enact, come on. I know, I know. To enact their revenge, the SAS gave the US Air Force their own version of an alien event. As December approached, lights and colored flares were rigged in the woods. Black helium balloons were also coupled to remote controlled kites to carry suspended materials into the sky, activated by radio control.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, now, uh, what is your plan here, Kevin? Are we going to continue this story tonight or are we going to break this up and dig well, into we're it? We're going to uh,
1: break it off. We're going to dig into it further. I mean, certainly I'm interested in any commentary you have, but that's kind of yeah. the, the, the overview of the initial event yeah. and a couple of theories related to it. You know, you brought up the lighthouse. I was going to bring up the lighthouse, you know. And then uh, I like this SAS hoax story, too. It's kind of fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of fun. But again, we don't need anything to muddy what really happened. No, I know. It it is fun. You're not buying that, are you? No, 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 no. Come on. Yeah, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. And by the way,
1: if the SAS did this stuff,
0: for certain, they're
1: not going to be writing about it. You know what I mean? Like, if, if our CIA... NSA, if there was such an agency, right, no such agency, if right. they did anything like this, it doesn't matter when it is. Those people are not talking about
0: it. Yeah. And let me say this. Those radiation levels that were picked up in those imprints, which are believed to be the where the legs of the landing gear of this craft sat on the ground. Yeah. Those are pretty high levels. Uh that's not just some transient uh, uh radiation level no, that and they measured. it was measured very there.
1: different they said uh, at the center of the pad locations, you know.
0: Yeah. And again,
1: yeah. you know, it's like these are Air Force personnel on an Air Force base. Right. You know, I I don't know. I, it seems like something would definitely happen there.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's insulting. Uh to me personally, it's insulting when people go after witnesses that are people that are defending our countries, uh, these are brave guys that have signed up for years in the service doing a job. Uh, look, if you think everybody is just a blooming numbskull like Gomer Pyle, uh, you know, what's the sense? What's the sense? It's like not believing a police officer. Can some of them lie? Sure, but we can't go around thinking everybody's BSing us, yeah, uh, including these three security personnel.
1: Yeah. Wow. No, no. So cool, cool story. Just give you a little bit of that one, and uh, you know we'll come back to it as I do more more research on it. But I figured you, I figured you needed a little bit of break after the
0: Bell Witch last week. Man, that Bell Witch. That is some freaking creepy. a creep creepy. fest. Yeah, you know, and uh, I actually caught, what is that new show that uh, Joss Gates does with the two people? Expedition uh, X. Okay, so I caught the Bell Witch oh, it's after awesome. we did the show on it on Expedition X. it's awesome, yeah. Uh, that was a creep fest, right? Uh, yeah and some of the stuff they ran across look I'm not the I'm not the person that thinks they set everything up for the show. Uh is there a little dramatization involved? Of I'm course, sure it's a TV course. show. Yeah. Uh but you know filming angles, they shoot a lot at night under the lamps, you know, making it extra creepy. Uh but like, he's down in that well and those claw marks and the clump of that. hair in you between the rocks. That. Oh, man, that was unbelievable. Oh. oh, man. Yeah. And how about that guy, that caver they interviewed? I and told you. He's like, you. Listen, he's like I'll, go to, I'll
1: go in any cave with you in the world, but not that one.
0: Yeah. I'll show you where it is. Good luck. Bye. And he
1: showed the pictures of his arms all clawed up.
0: Yeah, that was freaking. Yeah. Me. Just no. it's
1: wild stuff,
0: man. I mean, Kev, is it me or are some of these people out of their minds the things they do?
1: You know, it's it's. Uh, I think they feel that they're safe because they have a camera crew with them, which I can right. understand why, you know, they feel a certain sense of security. But right. I don't yeah. think that camera crews carrying more gun than they think they're going to need.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe don't,
0: they are. I don't think... Uh, Three people, one of them with cameras and some guy holding a boom mic is gonna defend you against <laughs> a twelve hundred pound, ten foot tall, Bigfoot. Yeah.
1: Or yeah, some he'll type put- of some type of demon uh witch uh, w- witch or a demon dog that's acting uh, for the witch.
0: Oh my goodness. I you shouldn't know, even it- say
1: dog. Martha's insulted here. It's <laughs> t- demon wolf, you know. Yeah.
0: yeah dog or wolf. <laughs>
1: the dry eyes.
0: Oh, my God. All right, Bill, so what do you got? Well, I got something incredible here. And uh, let me just get into it because uh, the level of detail in this story and what this guy came across is just going to blow your mind. Uh, This sighting was brought to my attention by Willis Jameson a longtime resident of the state of Mississippi. Here is what Willis had to say about his sighting. It was in 1964 that I had graduated from the Merchant Marine Academy with full vessel captain certification. After graduation, I had already put some feelers out for employment and was hired on with a large sea salvage, dredging, and dock building firm. Virtually all of our work was in and around the Mississippi Delta region and the Gulf of Mexico. During my downtime, I did a fair amount of small game hunting as well as deer around the state. It was late one morning and I was sitting in a greasy spoon having a cup of coffee and some eggs while still wearing my camo. The place was quite crowded, and I was sitting at a table when a gentleman asked if I would mind if he joined me at my table. Of course, I told him. I'd be more than happy to have a little company for breakfast. I introduced myself to him and he to me, and his name was Joe. As the conversation developed, Joe quite naturally had noticed that I was wearing camo and said to me, "'So, you're a hunter.' Of course, I replied yes and told him that when I was not captaining, I spent a fair amount of hours in the woods. As the conversation went back and forth, he came around to telling me that today may be my lucky day. Naturally, I responded by saying, what do you mean by that? He went on to say that he knew an old codger in Lafleur County that had a real nice piece of land chock full of turkeys and deer and that he was looking for a decent bloke to hunt the land for him in exchange for food. I said to him that it sounded real interesting and that I would like to make his acquaintance. I passed my number on to Joe, and several weeks later, after I had returned from the next job, I was at the home of a man named Gerald Holmes. When Gerald answered the door, he was half crippled, an old man, 96 years of age, And he invited me inside. The house consisted of six rooms, none of which were fit for human habitation. It reeked of cat piss, and there were bugs crawling around on everything, including the furniture. He asked me to have a seat, and without trying to be rude, I said that my back was really sore that day, and perhaps we could just go outside and have a look around the property the two of us walked outside. He told me that he had never married and that the land had been in his family for four generations. His home was accessed by a dirt road that was approximately a half mile long. The surrounding land was over 250 acres, which abutted some federal or state land I don't recall exactly. Gerald told me that for the past 14 years since his legs had gone bad, he always had an arrangement with some hunter for a 50-50 split of anything shot on the land. This was so he would have food to eat and for no other reason. Prior to his legs going bad, as he called it, he did all the hunting and trapping himself and lived entirely off his land. When I asked him what happened to his last hunter, he said he didn't know. He told me that the man had been hunting and supplying him with turkey and venison for almost five years and then just fell off the planet, as he said. He never answered his phone anymore and did not respond to Gerald's letters. I could see coming into the land as well as now standing there that this would be a great spot to hunt and came to an agreement with Gerald to be his new hunter. He said to me, I hope you can start soon because I'm getting a little hungry these days. As it turns out, I was a week away from my next job and I told him I'd hook him up the following day with some grub. He handed me a photocopy of a hand-drawn map of his land and pointed out to me the various places where I could access sections of it as well as the surrounding land with my truck. We parted ways for the day with a handshake, and Gerald said to me, Nobody will bother you here. You can hunt wherever you want. The next morning, I had chosen what I will call a back area of his land where I parked my truck and walked in with my bow. Well, it was like taking candy from a baby. Having never hunted in here before, I immediately found a well-worn trail and set up off the side and waiting. It was less than 45 minutes later that seven does and a buck came sauntering by, and before you knew it, I was butchering a doe in the woods. As I made my way back to the truck, a note had been rather mysteriously placed under my wiper blade. I pulled the note out from under the blade, and it read as follows. Be careful in them there woods, fella. The cinnamon man will get your sorry ass for sure. That was it. There was no signature and nothing else written on the paper. My first thought was that of, what the hell did I get into here? I went back over to Gerald's house with the deer and the note in hand. Gerald was thrilled with my quick success and was grinning from ear to ear with joy. It was then that I showed him the letter which had been placed under my wiper blade. I asked him point blank after he had a moment to think about what he had read. What the hell is a cinnamon man, Gerald? The two of us sat down on the bed of the truck as Gerald calmly and deliberately started to spin quite a yarn. He said that as far back as there were people inhabiting this neck of the woods, there have been stories and tales of large, hairy wild men living in these parts, the largest in these days and times being cinnamon or rust-colored and immense in its size and proportions. Gerald said that many of the area residents have blamed this creature and apparently others like it for the theft of livestock and the like. He then went on to say that its presence can be noted when a howling is heard in the woods. He added that he had never personally had any encounter with the beast, nor anyone that he knew. As we sat on the tailgate, the thought had occurred to me of his previous hunter not showing up anymore. Having been faithful for so many years, but in a moment, I just tucked it in the back of my head. It was such a beautiful and promising spot that in spite of the cinnamon man rubbish, I decided to stick it out and give it a go. In the months that followed, I had tremendous success in the woods, and as a matter of pure convenience, I couldn't have asked for a more suitable hunting ground. I was bagging squirrels, coons, possum, and everything else you can imagine, and Gerald was more than content to have them all. In fact, he was at the point that he was now bartering with some other people, exchanging his meat for other items, such as honey, bread, milk, and vegetables. It was two years into this arrangement with Gerald that I was deep into his property one day with a carol bar long rifle that had a fairly powerful scope on it. I used this gun to bag crows and squirrels in the trees, which was a lot of fun. Now, I have to tell you, before I continue, that at this point in time, I knew every sound that emanated from these woods and then some. I was walking slowly, following a trail with my eyes fixed in the canopy above, when I heard what I will describe as an odd imitation of an owl. You'll have to trust me here that I knew what an owl sounded like, and this sounded a little bit off, if you catch where I am going with this. This owl noise kept repeating over and over again, which was not like that of a real owl. It sounded like a man trying to do an imitation of an owl, and not that well. My eyes were fixed in the surrounding forest, as this odd sound was coming from multiple directions. In the heat of the moment, I started to feel very uneasy and began to retreat the way I had come in, with the sounds now keeping pace with me as I walked. For whatever reason, I turned my head quickly to one side and saw something duck behind a tree off in the woods. As soon as that happened, I mounted the gun to my shoulder and was looking directly at the tree through the scope. I could now see a large, rust colored, red, hairy arm wrapped around the side of the tree and nothing else. As I stood there watching, the upper torso of a huge, hairy beast peered out from behind the tree. Its eyes were locked with mine in the scope. The creature was, in my estimation, some seven to eight feet tall and muscular. Its upper back muscles met with the level of its head almost to the crown. The shoulder and arm which I could see were thick and unlike anything that I had ever known or seen. It was staring right at me in a fashion that was almost hypnotic, seemingly having no fear or knowledge that I was pointing a loaded gun directly at it. Its eye was large and glassy jet black in color, and I didn't see it blink so much as once. As I was watching it, I once again heard the owl sounds coming from several directions around me. I took the gun down to have a look around. When I did so, the creature that was behind the tree took off. Excuse me. At such a rate of speed that if I hadn't seen it out of the corner of my eye, I would have thought that it had disappeared. It covered well over a hundred feet, vanishing into the trees before I knew what happened. The woods had suddenly become silent. I hustled to get back to the truck as soon as I could. I was standing next to my truck, putting my gun away, when a local sheriff pulled up next to me and said, did you have any luck? He got out to check my weapon and my license, during which time I told him, I don't know if you would call it luck or not. I just encountered a huge hairy monster in the woods back there. The funny thing was that he didn't look shocked at all when I made the statement. He simply said, can you describe what you saw to me? I then went on to tell him. It was a red or rust-colored giant ape or hair-covered beast that was muscled like nothing you've ever seen in your life. I had my scope right on it, and I and it were staring at each other eye to eye for over a minute when it suddenly darted away at an incredible rate of speed into the woods. The sheriff looked straight at me and said this, Sir? You just had an encounter with the cinnamon man. Congratulations. With that, he reached out and shook my hand. Well, as you can imagine, I was blown away by this whole turn of events, including now a handshake from a local sheriff. He went on to tell me that the department had many calls about the creature through the years and that he actually believed he had seen one, Ducking into the woods on the edge of the bayou one night. I went back to Gerald's house and told him all that had transpired that day, including my meeting with the sheriff. He wasn't surprised at all, and in fact, seemed rather calm about the whole thing. I thanked him for the time spent on his land and told him that I wouldn't be coming back anymore to hunt in the woods. We shook hands as he nodded in acceptance. And that was the last I ever saw of Gerald.
1: What do you Whoa. think of that, Kev? Whoa. So where was where was this, Bill? Louisiana. Louisiana. Yep. Yikes, yeah. Home of a lot of creatures there.
0: Well, you know it, and I know it, and the people down there know it, the old Rugaroo. <laughs> Honey Island swamp monster around there. And this thing they were calling the Cinnamon Man because it was rust colored, you know, a red. If the snakes and
1: gators don't get you, which there's a lot of them, Roo-Boo-Roo yeah. or the Cinnamon Man will.
0: Freaking unbelievable, huh?
1: That's an awesome account. Now, but I mean. You know, the, you wonder why he he sees this thing, right? If I remember correctly, he hears an owl-like sound, kind of like what? a man making an owl sound. Right, but bad. Yes. But then he looks through the sight of his rifle, and he sees this thing through the scope, which I'm, like, excited about, except I recall it was a twenty two that was used for shooting squirrels.
0: Yeah, like what the? What I'm are you gonna do that with that?
1: Twenty-two is gonna bounce off of the hair on that beast.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He ain't, you're not pulling the trigger on a bear oh, or a no bigfoot. No
1: way. Like that's like you know sending a bunch of mosquitoes after it.
0: Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah a twenty. A twenty-two long rifle will take a squirrel down or a crow, no problem. Oh, I know, but the the only thing worse than not
1: having a gun is being aiming a twenty-two long rifle at uh, Bigfoot.
0: Yeah, or as I say in the end of the podcast, not having enough gun. Oh, no doubt about that. <laughs> That's not enough gun. <laughs> and you know, Kev, do you recall uh, the incident with the deer hunter up in the stand in Tennessee? Uh. Remember he was out in that, that low-lying area between the hills on that foggy morning and started hearing the owls? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When that freaking Bigfoot touched his boot. That's what I was the- going
1: to say. It was the one where it reached up. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So this, this owl noise, some people in Bigfoot uh, uh, investigations call it a bionic owl. It sounds like a recorded or a synthesized owl voice. Right. Yeah, it's kind of weird, you know? Kind of weird? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, kind of weird. Kind of weird, I'd say. So here's this cinnamon man, not too big uh, as far as uh, monsters go, seven to eight feet, not that it's a midget, but, you know, seven to eight feet and extremely muscular. I like his description of the traps coming almost up to the crown of the head. I was
1: going to say, it's one of those things with no neck, though, and just all muscle. And by midget, you really meant little Sasquatch, right? Or little cinnamon. Yeah, little.
0: Not to offend anybody. I don't want
1: you to offend any Sasquatch out there.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's the last thing we need. You know, I spend a lot of time hiking around,
0: so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, if there's any Sasquatch (sighs) listening this podcast i apologize i don't to want you. to
1: be the one that can't un unholster the 44 magnum right. and then having a bigfoot talking to me about the fact that we called him a midget <laughs> 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 i'm just saying
0: yeah you know kev there are people out there that nitpick every word we say on the podcast you know and
1: a lot of them are witches i'm just saying yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, we got to watch out for that. Like,
1: I don't want to cause any trouble with the witches.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Because so as I
1: understand, have... they're actually pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> Self-proclaimed oh, yeah. <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know a few. Well, they write in a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy, though. Huh? What a What a tale to weave. He gets hooked up with this old guy that's, basically eating off the land his whole life. Yeah. And uh I mean, look, it's not something I would do, Kev, right? But isn't it unbelievable that in recent days and times there are still people out there that could own a piece of property and just plant oh, no some food? No doubt about it.
1: No doubt about it. I mean, yeah. it it's it's not shocking to me, you know, living out more towards the country than where you are. For sure. And and seeing uh you know, this symbiotic relationship, you know, of a guy who's a really good hunter and this guy who wants to live off the land hooking up with one another, you know? Yeah. Hey, okay, why not?
0: Yeah, I, you know, if it works. I know Paul, uh, Paul's nephew, my wife's nephew, his wife came from Arkansas. And, uh man, you know, the story she tells me about her growing up, I mean, they were just like Country bumpkins, you know? Yeah, hell yeah. Jumping on the rope swing into the pond, climbing around the hayloft, you know, riding beat-up dirt bikes around in the field and, you know, barefoot and, you know, drinking I mean, it's soda kind of like pop. growing
1: up in Lake Ronkonkoma,
0: Bill. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, know, you
0: know what I'm saying, though. Oh, I no, mean, I don't. You, when you don't know anything else, that's what you know. Right, that's it. And that's good enough, you know? Hey, so uh and her father oh by the way talk about this guy shooting crows uh, uh Sue's father god rest his soul uh Mike he passed away a few years ago he told me that some him and some of the good old boys down out down there used to go out crow hunting well my my neighbor
1: out at the beach you know not a full-time neighbor but you know his parents basically own the house next door and he lives out in High Point, North Carolina, country, country area. You know how hard of the old furniture business out there in High Point. Right. And uh, before it went overseas to China and, and thereabouts. And he is a part-time squirrel hunting guide. Squirrel hunting guide? Yeah. Apparently people <laughs> are going out. You know, and they got these big squirrels out there. I've seen some of them, these big black squirrels with white ears. You know, they're funky looking squirrels. Uh-huh. And uh, But people go out and hunt these squirrels. But I remember the first time he told me, I was like, is this guy pulling my leg? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a squirrel hunting guide? Really? You no, know, but, <laughs> but people go out and they hire them because they want to go and hunt squirrels.
0: Well, I guess it's kind of a and neat little how, hobby. Yeah, well,
1: he knows how to find the squirrels. He's got a, I met his dog, you know, that's a squirrel dog, you know. Uh-huh. Specializes in uh, flushing out the squirrels. Uh-huh. It's
0: wild, you know. Wow. But that's now the country, b- you know. Black squirrels with white ears, maybe they're aliens. Hey, you know. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> am <laughs> not sure about the
1: aliens, but, you know, they're different yeah. than the squirrels I grew up seeing. Yeah, maybe Bigfoot and the saucer has a pet squirrel. They do stand up on their hind leg, and they might give you a little bop on the nose, you know, if you get close <laughs> enough. <laughs>
0: Remember the old cartoon uh, with Foghorn Leghorn and that little chicken, a uh, hawk used to come over and say, the chicken I'm hawk. a chicken hawk. <laughs> 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 and he'd be like, step aside, son, I'll uh, have to stomp on you. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be better for you if you come along with me. It <laughs> yeah, whacked out. Yeah, so that's it, bro. What do we got in our... Uh...
1: That is awesome. Great account, yep. Bill. Really good. I think that in Louisiana... The Swamp with Cinnamon Man. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, I love that stuff, you know. And the details, you know. I I try to get people that I interview to give me as much detail as possible. Because I really like to lay out the complete story. You know, give you a little backdrop. Who is this guy? What is he doing? What is it like where he's going? You know, and... Uh, as best as you can, it actually makes the encounter come to life, so to speak, you know? And oh. this guy has a meeting with the sheriff. He's got somebody leaving notes under his windshield. Uh, oh, yeah. Whole, that's, you that's, know, just, that's a little creepy right there, right? Yeah. Yeah, be careful in them woods,
1: bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, and <laughs> listener mail, right out of the gate, Bill, we're going to a cool place. We're going okay. to Finland, ah! And you listeners out there, my brother and I are F one fans. Believe it or not, I know we're talking about Sasquatch, Bigfoot, Rugeru, but we like F one. You know, we uh. we like watch the F one races, yeah. and one of my favorite drivers, right, is also Finnish. Yeah, the Kimi Räikkönen. No, well, I like Kimi too. God, you yeah, know, I can't get enough of Kimi. Uh-huh. But I like Valtteri Bottas too.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: But I love Kimmy. I I may actually like Kimmy more, but Kimmy's just a, such a freak show, you know, like he can't win any races cuz he's just <laughs> like he's like the lifestyle driver. <laughs> but I like I like Valtteri Bottas. So anyway, yeah. yeah. This uh this comes in from Miko from Finland. Okay. And I got no chance of pronouncing this bill. Um but he talks about the <laughs> Oumuamua
0: object. Sounds like I'm in Hawaii instead of Finland. Now, Kev, i got to stop you, man. Oh, okay. Are you sure that Miko is a man? No, I don't know that. I- I'm saying I think Miko's a woman. I don't know. I know a niko yeah.
1: from Finland, <laughs> and it's a guy. Miko could be a woman. <laughs>
0: All right. Sorry, Miko. We're a little out of sorts. I, you know, yeah. You know, I've been to Finland, all right? Like, <laughs> I, I'm going to digress here
1: for a minute, Bill. So I don't think uh-huh. I ever told you this story. So uh, I was in, the first time I was in Finland, I flew into Helsinki. And I don't know where I was flying from, but I got there, you know, got into to, like, where I could eat some dinner at about 9 o'clock at night. Uh-huh. And it's the absolute truth, folks. I go to this restaurant, like, close to the hotel. And Finland is, you know, it's a cool place. Like, you certainly feel safe and stuff, but it's weird. And I'm there in the wintertime, so it's as cold as cold is, you know. And as dark as dark is. Uh Uh-huh. And they're like, like, you know, in broken Finnish, you know, do you want to eat something? I'm like, yeah, you know, and they're like, uh, and, um, or they said, do you want, I thought they said, do you, or they said, do you want something? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Everything. Yeah. And, uh, they said the special. And I was like, well, what's special? And they said beer special. And I was like, beer special. Sure. Did I tell you the story, Bill?
0: Uh, I'm not going to tell you whether you did or you didn't.
1: <laughs> so uh, beer special. I'm thinking beer special. Yeah, bring me a beer. Like, I'll drink any beer at that stage of the night. Like, whatever. Uh-huh. And then I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And they show up with this plate with, like, this big brown thing on it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what's this? And they're like, yeah. beer special. And I'm like, beer. Like, and they're like, yeah, beer. Roar. <laughs> it was the bear special. Uh huh. I thought I was getting a beer and I got a chunk of bear. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
1: So that's 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 my first trip to Finland to Helsinki. So anyway How was it? how was the bear? <laughs> I I like I held out for a beer and then I ate the bear. You know, like they say, <laughs> it tastes like chicken.
0: Yeah, everything <laughs> tastes like chicken.
1: <laughs> Until you've had alligator, then it tastes like alligator, which tastes like chicken. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. The poor chicken. How does everything taste like freaking uh, chicken? I don't know.
1: So, uh, so Miko, man or woman, I don't know, says, thank you so much for the excellent podcast. I really love your humor as it brings so much delight to my day. I'm always looking forward to listening to new podcasts of your show. Please make an episode of the OU Maramua object if you haven't done it yet. And I assure you, we haven't done it yet because <laughs> yeah. we can't say it. <laughs> yeah. Most yeah. likely, it is an interstellar object composed of rock flying through our galaxy. But what if it isn't? I can almost imagine a bunch of hairy Sasquatches driving a cigar-shaped spacecraft, of course, with an open cockpit and everyone having goggles on. Ha-ha! How's that for a sighting? And by the way, that's like crazy humor for someone from Finland. (laughs) Uh, And then he attached a link to a CBS News story about this. So we're going to check this out, no doubt about it. And he says, thank you again, your faithful listener from Finland. I mean, Miko, we love you, man or woman. I don't know, but, like, (laughs) fantastic. Like, keep it coming in from Finland.
0: Yeah, and they don't call uh, uh, Kimi Räikkönen the Iceman for nothing. No doubt about that, man. Yeah. He's uh he's got that face where like he never smiles. You know like I am laughing. <laughs> no, he
1: doesn't. Uh, you've seen those interviews, Bill, where like he says all the wrong things and they can't get us. they can they can't interview him basically. He he like either intentionally or accidentally messes up every interview.
0: Probably intentionally.
1: <laughs> he's awesome. Uh, yeah, he is Kimmy. awesome. Man. All right, we're getting ready for Formula One, Bill. By the way, I digress, but uh, they just uh, released some of the new colors or colors colors in uh, British spelling or the uh, uh, livery of the different cars. Pretty cool looking.
0: Uh, When is the season starting again? Uh, Well, I know they do the speed
1: testing right like usually this week in Barcelona, because right. in a non-COVID world, I'm usually in Barcelona at a high-tech event this week. Thank goodness mm-hmm. I'm not. I mean, I like to mm-hmm. see the F1 testing, but I also like to sit in my house and talk to you instead. Yeah. Um, but so it's probably—I would say it's a month or two away. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we're yeah. closing in on. I we're closing can't in wait. In
1: Australia, the first event, usually, right?
0: Yeah, I hope they're going to move around. You know, really. What they did last year going to locations and knocking out a couple of races oh, at the time and it was a miracle. Tracks. It was a
1: miracle to have Formula One last year.
0: Yeah, and it was I thought those tracks were outstanding it was that fantastic. they were racing. On.
1: I mean the only bad thing about it, and again I digress, was I had uh tickets. Bill, you know, my daughter is a huge F one fan. And uh, we try to go to Montreal every year to the F1. We had tickets on the Stark finish line. We had a great hotel. We had our airfare and everything. And, of course, they canceled the event in June, which is good that they canceled the event. I'm not complaining. Right. But, right. man, I missed that event. It's so much fun. Montreal yeah. F1 is fantastic.
0: Yep, yeah. yep.
1: Yeah. All yeah, right, so we got a note in here from Jeff from Wisconsin. And, Bill, I know you saw this. Jeff sent in what he calls, it's a picture, and he calls it the WJ model. And we will definitely put it up in Fun Stuff on the website. Uh-huh. And he says, I've looked at this picture eight or nine times this week. You've probably seen it before, which, by the way, Bill, I never saw it before. <laughs> and he says, but I can't stop laughing as my mind keeps hearing WJ, WJ doing a voiceover ad articulating all the benefits of this new Sheehan WJ model, using taglines like, engineered for squash control. (laughs) All your friends will say, yeah, we (laughs) don't settle for a rifle when you can have the WJ cannon. You'll always have more gun than you think you will need. I'm down with that, brother. No doubt about it. I'm sure you have a few of your own. By the way, is that Kevin or Bill on the trigger in this picture?
0: <laughs> and he says, keep
1: up the great work. Just wanted to share a laugh. And yes, I'm really looking forward to a beer someday. No doubt about it, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff in Wisconsin.
0: Yeah. Bada bing, a boom. <laughs>
1: Yeah, take the cannoli, but leave the guns, as they say That's in Godfather. A... <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill. So I was thinking, because I'm hanging out with an international crowd during the day, that this next note came in from Jan, J-A-N. But I'm guessing it's probably Jan in
0: Mississippi. It is Jan. I spoke to Jan. <laughs> That's
1: funny. Yeah. So funny how you, how I'm distorted by like the crowd I'm hanging out with during the day. So I'm like, oh, uh-huh. it's Jan. And then I'm like... Wait, it's probably Jan.
0: And by the way, uh uh Jan is a retired culinary instructor. Whoa. And said if I'm ever down in those parts, stop in and she'll serve me up some gumbo, brother. Kitty up. Oh snap. <laughs> so Jan May-
1: in Mississippi, it's a short note, so it sounds like you had a good conversation with her. She says, I enjoy your podcast. Recently relocated to Mississippi. Many reported sightings in my area. Thank you for this platform for us knowers.
0: Mm -hmm. Very cool. Now, I I asked Jan to call me. I wanted to hear about uh, what she had to say about the potential of many people having sightings in her area. And really... The most interesting thing that she told me was that there is a dump, garbage dump, uh, near her vicinity. Uh, Apparently down there, there's no garbage truck. You throw your waste in the back of the pickup and ride over to the dump and flip it out. And she said, sometimes there's a guy at a gate there and sometimes there ain't. And she said, "There's been sightings over there of a Bigfoot in the dump." Mm-hmm. So I said to myself, "What an interesting thing!" You know, again taking advantage of whatever's given to them. Why not? Hey, why not? You know, if you're out, you're sniffing around. All the other animals are sniffing around. You know, grabbing an old cheeseburger or a freaking half a pizza pie that went bad. Might as well go snoop around the dump, you yeah, well, know, see what you It's for. funny
1: you mention that, not related to Bigfoot, but when I was up in Alaska two summers ago before COVID, um, you know, we have, I live in North Carolina, folks, a lot of you know that, and we have, like, bald eagles all over the place. Thank, thank God here, you know. I mean, you see a bald eagle as much as you see a hawk. And yeah. um, all these people from all over the world go up to Alaska, and one of the big things they want to see is a bald eagle. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of stunned me, you know, because I'm like, well, we see bald eagles all the time. And I don't I don't live in Alaska. Right. I live in North Carolina. I thought I I thought most people saw them. But, you know, apparently they're still rare in a lot of parts of the world, even after they cleaned up all the pesticides and stuff that killed them. Uh But uh, they say up there in Alaska that, you know, the the guides and stuff were saying, if you want to see like 500 of them, go to the dump. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Apparently, like, yeah. there's, you know, how, like, Bill, by you, there's probably a, a bazillion seagulls, right? The, right. Uh, in the dump. Up there in yep. Alaska, it's all uh, bald eagles flying around the dump, eating the yeah, garbage. Not, ex-
0: not exactly a scenic no, spectacle. No. Not, you, know. you know,
1: don't bring your beautiful digital SLR camera, you know, <laughs> to get a picture of a bald eagle picking up yeah. uh, McDonald's Big Mac wrapper. Yeah.
0: And don't bring your smell-o-vision no, with you. No, <laughs> You might need a mask for another reason. Yeah, yeah. Forget about COVID. <laughs> I need a freaking gas mask.
1: <laughs> All right, we got two more letters, Bill. This one comes in from Heather. No doubt about the name there. Heather from British Columbia. A hotbed. And she, uh, the subject is questions slash my take. And she says, I just found your podcast the other night and I'm loving it. I've been a huge fan of Bigfoot since I was a kid because my b- grandparents would come visit every summer. And my grandpa would always put Harry and the Hendersons in the VCR. And I would watch it over and over. And I still love it to this day. But I still have some doubts. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I want to believe that something this amazing could exist, but I have a hard time when I go on YouTube and see the horribly grainy, shaky videos. Come on, people. If we can send a man to the moon, surely we can film a clear video with the technology we have now. I have combed the Internet and YouTube for anything I can find, and as you both know, you can get lost in some interesting rabbit holes when you search anything to do with Bigfoot. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess my question to you both is: How do the two of you believe a hundred percent that this creature is real without really convincing photographic or video evidence? And what was the most convincing eyewitness account that you've heard
0: of? Pretty cool. So, what do you what yeah, well, do you think, Bill? Well, first of all, to Heather and anybody else, when we're talking about where are the pictures with the steady hand, I say to all of them, "Where's your picture?"
1: With a steady hand. With a steady hand. Yeah, I'd be terrified, like taking out a uh, taking y- out my. Father. You know,
0: it, it's just the idea that these pictures aren't just falling out of the trees. Yeah. Uh, by the baskets full, you no, know. And you when get,
1: you run into one of these creatures, you know, based on everything we read, of course, Bill and I haven't seen one. Um right. But you know, you're not ready to see it, which I can appreciate. I just haven't
0: seen other things that I'm not ready to see. Right. I mean, listen, if a long sighting was 30 seconds and a short sighting is five seconds, how much time do you think you have to do anything? Yeah. If you take your eyes off of what you're looking at for a second to turn your phone on or whatever you got and then to find the camera setting and look up, it's over. Yeah. So, you know... What do you think, that Bigfoot is laying on a picnic table with its legs crossed and its hand behind its head in a <laughs> bikini?
1: I mean, come on. Blowing a whistle to draw you yeah. in so you can see uh, what's going on? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> That's no, what I'm so talking I, I mean,
1: Heather, you know, my brother and I might not agree on this, but I'm not 100% convinced. But I do think that there could be something else out there, you know, because I've been in a lot of these areas, like, talk about British Columbia and the forests of British Columbia. I've been there. I've hiked around there. I mean, 100 percent there could be creatures in those areas that we just don't know about yet. We know Uh that there's creatures on the bottom of the ocean that we don't know about yet. And in these dense, you know, largely unexplored forests,
0: certainly there could
1: be creatures there that we don't know about yet.
0: Now let me tell you something too, Heather. I got stuff in my refrigerator I don't know about yet. <laughs> awesome. I could I can smell it, but I don't know I, what it is. I don't know what it is anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> awesome. Woo. Awesome stuff. So so Heather, that's where we're coming from.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think the best photographic evidence is the Patty film, hands down.
1: Patty film is fantastic. And, Bill, what's the one I can never remember? it? It's one of the top ten sightings where the church group is out there and they're looking up on the ridge um, and they see, like, the anxious Bigfoot. They come across, like, the little nesting area. What's the name <laughs> of that sighting? You... I had
0: it in my head until you oh said it. Oh, my
1: gosh. Yeah, we yeah, did the, an episode the, on it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, where they're looking up the ridge for like a period of a minute or two, and the Bigfoot's yeah. looking down at them, walking back and forth in broad daylight, like kind of anxious and pacing and shaking its arms. I mean, fantastic. To me, that's that's like, you know, other than the Patty film, uh, that would be second place.
0: Yeah, and I really like that one uh, off the side of that dep- the depression off the side of that dirt road up in Alberta. Oh we yeah, looked yeah, at, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was brief. That's
1: a, It's very brief, but it's a great sighting.
0: That was yeah. freaking stupendous. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we have that up in the. Uh, you know, people act like we have. Well, I don't. I shouldn't say people act. We don't have firsthand knowledge of everything we've put up on our own site. No. You know, we're going. You know, week to week and. uh working on these podcasts, I can't remember some of the stuff that we've posted.
1: No, no doubt about it. I go back yeah. and I look, and I'm like, oh, that was really cool. Like, we did a yeah. decent job of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's it's that way. You know, you're, you're moving on, we're moving on, we're moving on, and we're covering ground. Uh, but I don't have a photographic memory for everything I've laid down on paper. No, no doubt uh,
1: about it. I
0: remember events and some times and... Things come to me randomly when I'm talking about Bigfoot, but wow. uh, to ask a specific question about a specific instant, instance, you'd be lucky if I know the answer. No,
1: awesome stuff, Bill. Great week. We uh, we started out in the U.K. near Ipswich. We went down to Louisiana. We uh, went to Finland. Uh, I mean, all over the place. It's fantastic. So, uh yeah. Thank you so much, folks. And by the way, keep those five-star reviews coming. Um, We love seeing them. You guys have been great. Guys and gals have been great giving us the five-star reviews. And if you haven't given us one, give us one right now on your favorite podcast player. And if you haven't given us one in a while give us one right now it's virtually those five-star reviews are the only way that we draw new listeners to the podcast so and by getting new listeners we're able to one keep on schedule giving you a weekly podcast and we're able to increase the quality of the podcast
0: every week so thank you so much keep those five-star reviews coming all right and please go out and buy a couple of my books all right give us a little show of support here and like i said Volume 7 is now on Audible, so get out there and get that thing rocking in your uh, Apple player in your car or whatever you're using, you know. uh, it's, It's really well done, and I'd appreciate it if you went out there. And by the way, if you find yourself roaming through the woods of British Columbia, don't do like the man did in Mississippi, and carry a 22 long rifle with a powerful scope. Neither of which will help you in a Bigfoot attack. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.